What's up, guys? We appreciate you joining us for this latest edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And uh, this is one of those mile marker days on the calendar for us, uh, at least for me, because today is uh, the day that fall camp officially kicks off here in Athens. On Sunday, all the players were reporting the conference center there in Athens, but Monday is the day practice actually kicks off. I'm trying very hard to contain myself right now, but Kurt, what is the start of fall camp like for you? Am I going a little bit overboard calling this a mile marker day? Um, no, I mean, it's really the beginning of the true sign, or the, you know, the true signal that football is here. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is, I mean, spring practice gives you a small taste there in the, in the spring, kind of the midway point between the end of the season and start of the new season, but fall camp means, like, it's here. You're going to be talking football here for the next four or five months, so I'm I'm loving every second of this, uh, and for me, like, the start of fall camp, it, this is weird, I know, but for me, it's... It's like Christmas Eve was for me growing up. I know everybody does their Christmases differently. They might not even celebrate Christmas. I don't know. But for me, my parents always let us open one gift on Christmas Eve. So, And usually it was like a pair of new pajamas to wear that night. But regardless, it was exciting, number one, because you got to open at least a present. And number two, it kind of gave you a taste of what was to come in very short order the next day. The big fish that's coming the next day. kind of whetted your appetite for that. So that's what the start of fall camp is like for me. It's um, It's... It's exciting because it is somewhat of a gift, kind of in and of itself. We have actual on-field developments to talk about, so that's awesome. But more so, it gives you the taste of the main event that's just around the corner. So with all of that in mind, today we figured we would do a fall camp preview of sorts. So we'll bring you uh, everything you guys need to know about the team heading into fall camp. But first, if you are new to the show, just a quick heads up that if you want to share your thoughts on the topics we discuss on on today's show or any show... We welcome interaction, and uh, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com, and uh, you can check check out the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. Absolutely, guys, 100%. Feel free anytime to share your thoughts on the show, on the topics we discuss, whatever you feel like throwing our way. We welcome that. Um, Also... To make the show as easy as possible for all of our listeners to access, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the Stitcher and TuneIn apps, and of course, the Dog Sports Radio app or just the Dog Sports Radio website. Uh, so check out the show on whatever platform is easiest for you. And if you enjoy the show, we would really sincerely appreciate you subscribing to, reviewing, and sharing it, and just generally helping to spread the word uh, as much as you can as the season progresses. We are always incredibly grateful to all of you out there that listen to and support the show. And uh, we, I know I am. I'm insanely excited to bring you guys at least what I hope uh, is our unique brand of content all throughout the coming season. But with that, let's get into this fall camp preview. Um, and we want to make this as comprehensive as possible. And look, I, mean, I know most of you guys listening to the show, you are up to date on what's going on with the team. There hasn't been really a ton of new developments. We want to kind of preview each position. So to kind of make this as comprehensive as possible without the show going four hours long, what we're going to do is go position group by position group and identify the biggest strength and the biggest question mark facing each unit uh, as we enter fall camp here today. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the quarterback position, what a lot of people would like to call the single most important position on the field. And maybe or maybe not, that's true. I think I'd probably go yes. But uh, Kurt, I'm going to start with you here, man. Uh, quarterback position. What do you think is the biggest strength right now? you got Jacob Beeson coming into year two as a starter. He's got a full year under his belt, full offseason now. 
Uh, obviously, Jake Fromm is in the picture here as well. What is the biggest strength of this quarterback group entering fall camp? Um, I think the biggest thing is it's not exactly depth, but you have um, I think you have guys out there that can hold each other accountable this time. You know, not saying we didn't that you know the guys last year weren't that good, but I were they I really a threat? With I mean. You yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how much of a threat it really was to Easton. I mean, think about it. As, as inconsistent as Easton was last year, he was. our coaches still thought he was the best option. Exactly. And I think this year, um, I think Fromm is someone that can hold him accountable. And even then, I also think Ramsey, I mean, his, what, fifth or sixth year guy almost at this point? Uh, seven, eight, maybe something like that. Been here for a while. No, I think he's a fifth-year senior now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think you're exactly right. I would sum it up in one word competition we just didn't i mean we had technically we had a quarterback competition um during fall camp in the spring and whatnot but like i said i mean when when a true freshman who was as inconsistent as easton was last year to be fair i mean easton had great moments but he also had some like what in the hell is going on kind of moments we all know that but the fact that he held that job pretty much the entire season just tells you it gives you a lot of insight to the lack of real competition there going on uh, maybe they were thinking Easton, they wanted to prepare and be the guy for the future. I don't know. But this year, we know that we have two guys that can absolutely hold down that starting job if they were pushed into action in Jacob Beeson and Jake Fromm. We saw all last year in Jacob Beeson, although he was up and down. He, he showed that he could do it. And everything that we've heard uh, from Jake Fromm through the spring, what we saw at GA, what I saw in the first uh, scrimmage as well during the spring, he's a guy that's going to hold Easton's feet to the fire. He's going to compete. Like you said, he's going to hold him accountable. And that's only going to make Easton better. I mean, that's been well well chronicled here over the past couple months. But I, I don't think it can be overstated. I, I think one of the things with Easton last year is that, I mean, he obviously was a true freshman, a lot of things that he was working on. But he didn't have that one guy pushing him game in and game out, uh, practice in, practice out. Now he has that with Jake Fromm. So I, I've, I'm – I still firmly believe Easton's going to be the guy, but Fromm is going to push him. Fromm will make him work, and I think that's good for for us all the way around. All right, now, Kurt, let's flip it over to the other side of the equation here. What's the biggest question in your mind at the quarterback position heading into 2017? Um, I think the biggest question to me is what uh, you know, how big of steps is Jacob Easton going to take in uh, year two? Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I think the way I phrase it is just simply, can we trust Jacob Easton? Can we trust him? I and because I've been watching. I, I, you guys know if you listen to the show, I've been spending the entire summer uh, just breaking down tape of our, of our opponents here in 2017. Also going back and watching every single one of our games with a fine tooth comb. And Eason, like it's he's it, he was maddeningly inconsistent. There are moments where you're like, oh my god, I see exactly what everyone's talking about with recruiting rankings. I see this guy being a franchise type player, our future number one draft pick. I see it. But then there's other moments like, is, is, can this guy actually? win games for us is this a guy that we can actually win more than seven games with you saw that so my question is going to be can we trust him to be a more consistent player back there to where he's good jacob more often than he's bad jacob you know what i mean yeah well, what do you think the answer is do, do you think we see that jacob Eason? do we see a version of jacob Eason this year that we trust more so than we did last I think, year i think you are i think i mean it's hard for us to say but i think one thing that is encouraging to me is, you know, you hear how he's actually taken more of a leadership role this offseason. He's been in there trying to break down Phil um, this offseason, seeing where he needs to improve on. And I think just seeing the initiative out of someone gives you somewhat encouraging feeling. Yeah, but don't you always hear that, though? Like, 
Yeah, I mean, you always hear that, but coming into the season last year, you just heard about Easton trying to really get the playbook down. So you didn't hear him, uh, you know, t- trying to become a better leader, you know, things like that. There are more positive whispers behind I, the scenes. And I think that's, that's one thing that really lacked in Easton's game. You know, yeah, he made a lot of mistakes, but I think at the same time, he wasn't confident and he wasn't a true leader, which you need out of a quarterback, and that can make a huge difference for an offense. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with Easton, and I've said this all offseason long. I know he can do it. I know that he can make the plays and be the type of playmaker that we always thought he would be coming into the into our program. He showed it last year at times. He's just got to do that more consistently. If he does that, he takes that next step and becomes a guy that we can absolutely trust back there, man, I, we're going to be really, really, really good offensively, and we're going to have a chance to win championships. And I, 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 I think we have a chance. If, if Eason takes that next step this year and becomes a truly dangerous threat for us, I think we have a chance to win the SEC, not just the East, the entire SEC, if he takes a huge step. I mean, that and maybe that's oversung a little bit. I mean, maybe, you know, there's a, a jump he'll make from year one to year two, but won't be the guy he'll be in year three. But if he takes a big jump, we could be really, really dangerous. Uh, all right, let's move on to the running back position here. Um, the biggest strength in your mind for our running backs, where would you go with that? Depth. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Not just depth, but quality depth. You know what I mean? Like think of how 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 many guys would you feel comfortable being our starter on any given day this season if we had some injuries? Uh, three maybe. How, so so you got obviously Nick and Sony. Who's the number three guy? Probably Harrion at the moment. I mean, he's just got a little bit more experience in Holyfield. I think Holyfield might be maybe better, but we just haven't seen enough to know. Yeah. Uh, remember a couple years ago when we had all those injuries. And we were relying on like guys like Brennan Douglas and JJ Green to be our starters at running back. Yeah, remember, I, mean, I was in Vanderbilt. We lost that game uh, with those guys playing, and they just weren't good enough. We're not in a situation like that this year. If, I mean, God forbid, I even I don't even want to bring it up. It's blasphemous in my mind to even think about it. But if we had an injury to Chubb, Sony, if those guys were out for whatever reason, I would definitely feel comfortable with Harry in back there as a starter, and I would feel comfortable with Holyfield. And I know we haven't seen him yet, so it's hard to say definitively. But I'm I would not be uncomfortable with DeAndre Swift back there. I know he's a true freshman, but I would I would say that I would feel much more comfortable with DeAndre Swift back there as 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 the lead guy if injuries were to come than I would if when Brendan Douglas was that guy or JJ Green. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, so I think you're right. Depth, the quality depth there. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to the point where those guys have to play extended snaps. But I think if pressed into duty, we would be fine. We I don't want to say we wouldn't miss a beat because. Nick and Sony are just incredibly. You guys know what they bring. They're they're awesome. They're they're all timers, uh, especially Nick. But uh, I think we'd be okay. I don't think there'd be as much of a drop off if something happened to those guys this year, like there was in the past. Uh, all right. Uh, biggest question mark though. For the running back. Group? Yeah, for the running back group. Um, who who secures the fourth spot? I think. Um... The four, you know, getting that four spot is going to be really important because that's going to come down to getting some PT and in the end, possibly transferring. I mean, you just don't know if we get, you know, two good running backs in this class. There might be a guy, say Holyfield, you know, with his yeah. suspension possibly or anything. He, you know, Swift comes in there and presses, takes a four spot or any of them. Sure. You know, there's a chance for a chance that one of them may leave. Sure, absolutely. Um, that's a fair point. What happens with that? Or I would say what happens to that number three spot? Who takes that spot? You know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, who falls at that number four spot? And that's that's a that is a big question for me. Though I'm gonna go a little bit different here. I'm gonna go look at the top end of this, 
And I'm just going to say my biggest question for the running back position right now coming into the fall camp is simply, will Nick Chubb be Nick Chubb again? Will he be the Nick Chubb of 2014? Will he be the Nick Chubb that started the 2015 season? Because, I mean, guys, we all know, I mean, just to remind you, uh, I was at that game in Missouri when the, the whole girly news came down and Chubb was going to start. And I, I was, I, actually, I was on the road Thursday night, on the road to Missouri, when all the girly news broke. And I was just, I, I, I was inconsolable. Like, I, I just, I, I was just catatonic, essentially. Uh, and then I get to Missouri all day Friday. I'm just in this state of delirium, um, not the good kind of delirium, and just freaking out, man. I thought, didn't think we had a chance. And then Nick comes in and does what he did, and then he rattles off as as a starter. Week six against Missouri in his freshman season was his first game as a starter. Rattles off 13 consecutive hundred yard games. Guy put up in half a season starter 1500 rushing yards in his true freshman season. It was unbelievable. I he I I think he was on the road to winning the Heisman in 2015, or at least being in high competition for that spot in 2015 without the injury. I mean, he started that year. Just to remind you guys, started that year against Louis Monroe, 120 yards, 189 at Vanderbilt, 159 at South or against South Carolina, 131 at Southern, 146 against Bama, and then one rush, two yards, injured against Tennessee. If he can return to that Nick Chubb again. That's another reason why this offense could be dangerous. So, I mean, think about this, Kurt. If we get, if there's a scenario this year, and we don't know if this is going to happen, we don't know. But if you have a scenario where Eason takes a, a, a significant step in year two, and it all starts to click for him, and you see Nick Chubb return to Nick Chubb form, like, isn't that scary? Yeah. I mean, I know I, I mean, you can sit here and call me a homer all you want, but we will be a downright scary offense if all of that happens. You factor in all the ancillary pieces as well. So if Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb again, I think we could be in really good shape. So that's a big question. I mean, he was good last year. He was fine. He was solid. But he wasn't Nick Chubb that we knew before the injury. So if he's Nick Chubb again, I think we're going to be in really good shape. All right, let's move on to the wide receiver core here. What, in your opinion, Kurt, is the biggest strength of this wide receiver group coming this season? And this is a tough one for me because there's not a lot of proven quality depth here. So... If you're looking at strengths, what do you see? My thing see? is I think we have more versatile guys that fit fit roles. I mean, like I've said before, you know, one of the biggest problems last year is it was obvious when we were going to run or pass because we had to bring in certain sets to run block and certain guys that could go out and pass block. We weren't seeing, you know, pass or running, run blocking from Terry Godwin and people like that. And I think that's the big, biggest difference is I think we have guys, especially in our f- first five or so, that can actually, you know, do both. And I think Terry's in a better position to block and do things playing in the slot where he is because if we're not, you know, it's – he's not always going to be in there. He's not always going to be asked to block. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a fair point. Uh, for me, yeah, and that's that's a great point. I, I, I like our size. It kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what you're saying there. I like the size we bring to the table. And I know we have some smaller guys. I'm not saying everybody's huge. But we have guys that fit their roles. And we have some guys that have size on the edges. If you look at uh, a guy like... Javon Wynn, 6'4", 215 pounds. You've got J.J. Holloman, 6'2", 195, 200 pounds. Uh, you've got Jason Stanley, who I know has been his uh, – <laughs> he's had some, like, just shake your head kind of moments, but still, he's a big body. Riley Ridley, big body, six-foot-plus kind of guy. So you have those guys out wide. Um, and then you've got some guys that can fit that slot position. You've got Miko, You've got, as you mentioned, Terry. you got Tyler Simmons, who I think can 
play both. I think Simmons is more of an outside guy. He's not as big. Although Simmons, if you look at his body, he's not super tall. He's only about six foot, but he's like a running back thickness in his body. He's, he's over 200 pounds. So I think we have some guys that, that can match up well on the perimeter, which hasn't necessarily always been the case the past couple years. So I like the size up there. But on the other end, the biggest question mark for this group, Kerr, what is it in your mind? Uh, who's going to step up? Yeah. Uh, as like the number one guy? Yeah. Yeah, that's me too. My, my biggest question here is simply, do we have a guy that's going to be an alpha male number one wide receiver at the X position? Do we have that guy? I think I really – I'm not like a lot of people in the dog fan base who are kind of – worried somewhat about the wide receiver core see that as, a, as an unproven in, entity and there's some question marks there I think we have plenty of talent there I really do I'm fine with the talent there I know they haven't proven it but that's that's college football guys you have there's turnover position somebody else has got to step up I'm fine with the talent there based on what I've seen but I'm not sure the question I have is okay I think we have some guys that can do some things but do we have that one guy that's going to be an alpha male number wide receiver. And like, they're not going to be AJ Green, but do we have a guy like the Calvin Ridley at Alabama? They have a guy that they can go to. Do we have someone like that? I don't know. Who do you think would be the best option to be that guy? Who's going to answer Probably that question? Jeremiah Holloman. Or no, I mean going forward. Long term, yeah. At the current time, I'd probably say Wims. See, I go back and forth, like. Wims and Ridley, they're they're very similar. Um, yeah, but Wims just has a little bit more speed. And yeah, Wims, I, and Wims is 6'4", 215. Ridley is a little bit smaller, 6'2", 197. Uh, you think Wims is faster? I think he maybe he's got longer strides at least. Yeah, I, I, he looks faster on the field. I say that. I, I would like, I'd be interested to see their laser time 40s. But I don't think there's a significant difference in the speed there. Uh, I think Wims, I think both those guys would be really good for us this year. If I had to pick one of them, man... This is tough for me. I think Ridley. Ah man, I want to say Riley Ridley. He just mm, he's inconsistent. One of those two guys. I'll say that. I think one of those two guys can step up and be our number one guy this year and be a pretty consistent number one threat. I think we're going to spread the ball around a lot to a lot of different guys. I think we have plenty of weapons. We have Godwin with Hardman. Uh, with Sim, I think Simmons. And, no one really talks about Tyler Simmons. What I saw from him and at G Day, it wasn't just G Day guys. I saw that from him in the first scrimmage too, when nobody was watching. The guy is going to make plays. He's making plays all over the field. So I, I think we have guys that are going to make plays uh, around the field in different positions. But I think Wims will really probably step up and be that number one guy. One of those two if I had to pick right now. All right, let's move on to tight ends. Staying with the offense here. Staying with the pass catchers. What in your mind is the biggest strength of the tight end group heading into the season? Uh, I think depth. Once again, we have a lot of guys that can do play. Yeah, depth uh, for sure. I'm a, I'm a, and this kind of goes with depth. I'm gonna say diversity, diversity of talent. I think we have some guys that can do different things, that can fill different roles. Blazevich, I know I, there's a lot of people that give Blazevich a hard time about his his blocking blaze. I don't see that when I watch him. He misses blocks here and there, and he's not the strongest guy in the world. But that's everybody on our offense. Um, but he's very technically sound when it comes to blocking. He's relentless out there. He play he he understands how to block with angles and use leverage. He does a good job there, so I, I think he he fills that role. He's also the leadership role. He understands the system. He, he just he's a guy. He's, he's a rock out there. Not a not a, a great pass receiving threat to say the least, but he does good things. He has a role on this team. Uh, then you've got a guy like Isaac Nada, who is 
a burgeoning star in that position. He kind of a, he can do a little bit of both. He's he you use him in the running game with that H back position where you use him to trap, you use him to kick out, you use him to lead through the hole, things like that. He does a good job there. He's not a great base blocker right now, but he can still do some things if you use him appropriately in the, in the blocking game. Uh, he's also we know uh, a threat to, to catch the football down the field as well, especially up the seam. You got Charlie Charlie Warner who is a guy that's really I think he's the most versatile of all the tight ends. But if you split him out, why you can split not out too, but Warner. Is a really dangerous threat out there. He's got some more of those receiving type abilities, um, and you also have Jackson Harris, who is even more of a of, of a true blocking tight end than uh, Blazevich is. So I think we have the diversity there to fit different schemes, to fit different situations and game plans based on who we're playing, what the situation might be. So I like that about this uh, tight end unit, but there's some question marks too. I, I think you're right that we have some depth there, but I think there's some question marks. So when you're looking at this group, what's your biggest question mark for them? Uh, really, who are going to be the, the main guys? I mean, right now, we've got five guys. Now, who are going to be, you know, probably the top three? Yeah, yeah. That I well, I mean, I could probably answer. I think it's going to be in some yeah, order. Yeah, I that. Probably it's probably Blazevich, uh, Nada, and Warner in some order. Um, but what what that order is going to be and when they're utilized, how they're deployed by our offensive staff, that remains to be seen. For me, the question here because this is somewhat it was. It was remarkable at times last year when you watch Nada and Warner. It's isn't it clear that they are athletically pretty significantly superior to Jeb Blazevich? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, no doubt. So it, it just it was remarkable to me that Jeb Jeb Blazevich was able to hold on to that starting job as long. I mean, throughout the entire season. Now there were times that when you factor in total snaps played as the season progressed, you know it was evening out certainly as the freshman got. Especially Nada got uh, more comfortable in the system, and you also—I mean—you had Warner had some injuries, but he saw a lot of playing time early. But this season, I'm curious to see: Will Jeb Blazevich? Now that these guys aren't freshmen, you don't have that excuse. You're, not, you're saying, "Well, these guys are fresh; they don't understand what they're doing." Warner and Nada understand what they're doing now. So, will Blazevich be able to hold off those young guys? Will Blazevich still be able to see as much of the field as he has through his first three years, considering that he's not the athletic a- athletic specimen that they are? He's not the receiving threat that they are. Um, he does bring some things to the table, but does he bring as much as Warner and Nada? I'm not. I, I'm of the opinion that he does not. So I'm curious to see if he's gonna be able to hold off those young guys and hold on to his his starter position, even though it's only a nominal role um, through the season. I know he's he's got the the veteran leadership role, and that's that's huge. It's important. But I'm just curious to see how that kind of plays out. All right, last group here on the offensive side of the ball before we flip it over to defense is the offensive line. What's the biggest strength of this group, Kurt? Um, I guess competition right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that always helps any position group. I think you're right there. That's definitely a factor for me, though. I think we have um, guys that are just a better. I mean, we said this throughout the offseason. We have guys that are just a better scheme fit size wise for what we want to run offensively than what we had last year. We don't have the guys that are under 300 pounds consistent. I mean, you, I, Galliard's kind of pushing it there. Pat Allen's not a huge guy. But we have some big bodies that are going to be competing for serious playing time and for starting roles. So I think, although they're not going to be as experienced, at least they'll have the size that was really killing us, especially on the interior last year. Uh, it be more of that scheme-type fit. Uh, but we all know, after watching this unit last year, there are some serious questions that remain for this offensive line unit. So if you had to identify one question that stands out to you more than others, what are you going to go with? Probably the left tackle. Just who's going to man that? Yeah. 
What? How would you handicap that right now? Do you, do you think that's that win's going to hold on to that spot? Because he, he's adamant that he is. And I know people around the program I mean, that are adamant he's not moving. You can be as adamant as you are, but sometimes your physical limits just become a roadblock. I mean, especially when we have younger guys come into the first couple games, he may be the guy, but if he shows that he can't do it, the younger guys are biting at his heels, you have no other choice. Well, who's who's going to be the one that's going to push him for that spot? Because I don't, I mean, that's I, something, I don't I, see the I, guy that's going to push really him for that spot. I think you're going to see Andrew Thomas push him. Um, and then, you know, depending on how DeMarcus Hayes ever develops and gets comfortable, he may be pushed to move to the left um, with someone like Isaiah Wilson pushing him on the right. Well, that was the. Pl- I mean, that that was at least the reported plan. You hear from recruiting analysts during the whole recruitment process that Hayes was going to be plugged in as a left tackle this year. Didn't really kind of materialize during spring practice. But of course, that was just spring practice. He was only on campus for a couple weeks there, or a couple couple months before practice ensued. So he gave guys some time. Yeah, I mean, th- there's some options there, but are those guys serious threats to unseat a senior in Isaiah Wynn at left tackle? Yeah, because he's not locked that down, locked that position down since he's been there. That's true. I mean, he's kind of moved back and forth between tackle and guard. I mean, I can tried center. If he, had, if he had held the position for a year or two years, but he hasn't. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it, I mean he played guard all of last year, um, and moving out to tackle this year. And you see this across the board in the SEC. Just, there's a lot of offensive linemen who were very good at the position last year. Although I'm not sure I would say Wynn was really good as at guard last year, but are moving moving positions from guard to tackle, from guard to center, tackle to guard, just moving things around. It's weird to see that. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say he's 100% going to hold on to that spot. I just don't – I mean, I think Andrew Thomas is going to be a really good player. I just don't know if it's going to be right away, if he's going to be ready. I know that he's – Thomas is a better fit in terms of his size, his length. He's more of a prototypical left tackle specimen than Wynn is, no doubt about that. But is he going to be ready at an early stage to unseat a guy like Isaiah Wynn, essentially at least a three-year starter, a full-time three-year starter – on the offensive line, I mean, he's and he's been up and down, but he's been at least a solid guy for us. The offensive line, so I don't know. Uh, I think for me, the biggest question is just simply: Are we actually, in reality, in a better position on the offensive line this season than we were last year? Are we really going to be better? I know a lot of people want to say you hear a lot of times that when we can't be any worse than last year. Uh, yeah, you can. You can. Uh, it. it it would take some doing to be worse than we were last year because we were not very good. Don't get me wrong. We were not good at all. But it always kind of makes me laugh when you hear people say, like, man, we can't be any worse than last year. Actually, yeah, you can be. Um, we're losing. I know that they, were, they weren't they were great, and uh, they were not necessarily great fits for what we wanted to run. But when you lose three seniors, that communication, that cohesiveness, like we talked about on our last show with the offensive line, that ability to communicate, it takes a hit. Um, you have guys moving to a new position. You have Galliard moving from guard to center. You have Wynn, at least right now, moving from guard to tackle. Uh, and maybe those work out. And we're gonna have, we're, This is a really good chance we're going to have at least one, if not two, maybe on an outside shot of three true freshmen starting or getting significant playing time. So I know they're more of a size scheme fit, but how much do you lose with that experience on the offensive line? I mean, it's hard to say you're going to be better when you lose three starters up front. I think we probably will be. I moderately better, moderately improved, but I'm. I want to see. I want to see. Are we actually going to be better on the offensive line and take a year? I'll take a step forward in year two under the tutelage of Sam Pittman. Very. That's probably the number one question I have coming into this season. Honestly, more than even running backs, more than quarterbacks, receivers. I want to see is our offensive line going to be improved? And that's when we, when the 
Open practice comes on Saturday. That's the number one thing I'm gonna be watching for. And it's one practice, only so much you can tell in one practice, but I will be watching them very, very closely. All right, now let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball here. And uh, we just did the offensive line, so let's go ahead and kick off the defensive conversation here with the defensive line. Kurt, what in your? I had a tough time with this one. I didn't know where to go with this. Uh, the biggest dream of this defensive line heading into this season. Um, I think we have players that fit their certain roles kind of better this year. Um, I think we have a little bit more experience. I think it's going to be the biggest thing. I mean, last year we played so many freshmen. Yeah. This year, not the case. Yeah, that's. I wanted to just say Trent Thompson, but then I thought about it and I was like, well. Like Trent showed, especially towards the end of the season, that he can be the beast we always thought he would be, but he hasn't done that consistently yet. So I'm not going to sit here and say Trent Thompson yet is the biggest dream of this defense. I think he can be up front, but I want to see it consistently from him. So I'm going to go with you there. I'm going to say the biggest strength right now is experience depth along the defensive line. Um, you know, Like you mentioned, we had all those true freshmen who were forced into action significantly last year, and they took their bumps. They played well at times. They they were not great at times. But guys like Julian Rochester, Tyler Clark, Mikhail Carter, David Marshall, all those guys got significant experience in playing time. And I think they're going to be poised to take a big step here in year two. You had in the fact you got Jonathan Ledbetter back for the full year this year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Trent Thompson, hopefully, he can stay healthy and, and take the next step and be the, the dominant force up front that we always thought he could be. So I, I think the experience depth is probably the biggest strength right now coming into the season. But like all these positions, I think there's some question marks too. So what's your biggest question for the defensive line? Uh, I think really it's going to be, you know, what are we going to do come passing situations? Who's going to be put in the what position with Trent back? I mean, like in the spring we saw Ledbetter kind of being pushed inside because he was, you know, the, he was a dominant matchup for us against some guards and centers that just weren't built to handle him. So I, I'm, you know, kind of wondering what we're going to, what's our lineup going to look like? Yeah. How yeah. are we going to create pressure with them, really? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot that's been made, and by me too, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anyone, of the fact that we haven't been getting a, a great pass rush. We haven't getting a lot of sacks over the past couple of years, and we want to pinpoint that on Lorenzo Carter and say he hasn't lived up to his his uh, recruiting billing, lived up to the hype, and Devin Bellamy is just an okay player. DeAndre Walker can't stay on the field consistently because he's not big enough. Uh, and, and there's a lot to that. There's a lot of truth to that. But one of the things that's also been missing here is we have not consistently gotten enough pressure from the interior. That it collapses no, a lot of the time, I mean, not as much so with last year, but like when we had Leonard Floyd, a lot of the time they would just step up in the exactly. pocket away from the pressure. Yeah. I mean, Leonard would, I mean, I think he only had six and a half sacks his last year. Uh, he gets drafted in the first round. If you watch him closely, I mean, he got, he got around the edges with ease and he was in the backfield. But the quarterbacks, like you said, were able to step into a clean pocket because we were doing nothing to collapse the pocket from the interior, and they were able to deliver a strike. And uh, we started to fix that to a degree some last year. We got Trent came on late. Um, I th- Kirby was, did a really good job. Emil Tucker did a really good job of in obvious pass situations, moving our five technique defensive ends um, inside, matching up on guards. Guys like Ledbetter and David Marshall got a little more of a pass rush there. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a that's a great point here. Is can we get a pass rush threat? from our defensive linemen, not the outside linebackers, those hybrid guys, the true defense linemen. Can we get a significant uh, push from those guys? So I like that question. For me, um, it's kind of like with the wide receivers. I want to see one alpha male step up, and I think it's going to be Trent Thompson. So my question is, Trent Thompson, I'm calling you out, man. Will you 
take the next step and become the dominant player that your number one overall ranking coming out of high school suggested that you would be? Will you step up and be that dominant force on the interior? We have not. I mean, when was the last time we had a guy like that? That was a true dominant interior defensive lineman. Been a while. I mean, the early Rick years with Van Gorder. I mean, like, when is the last time we had a dominant interior player? I can't think of. We've got some good guys. You know, John Jenkins was solid his his one year. You might have. To, I don't. Even Garrison know. Smith was a solid player. Uh, Gino was a solid. Gino is weird. Like Gino, he was. He, he got better when he got to the pros. Yeah, which has been the story for a lot of our guys. Like he was a good player for us, but he wasn't a dominant player for us as a defensive lineman. He has become that in the NFL, but he wasn't dominant. So we've had some guys, Garrison Smith, John Jenkins, Geno, but we haven't had that truly dominant force up front that just completely wrecks game plans for opposing offenses. I think Trent has the ability to do that. I just want to see, because he's shown it. I mean, what, he had three sacks against TCU, I think five tackles for a loss, something crazy? Do that every game. If Trent can do that game in and game out, we're going to be very good on defense. I, it's, I mean, we're already good on defense, but our defense might take another step forward. So I, I just want to see it. I want to see it from Trent. And will he, will he be able to do that? I think that's one of the biggest questions on this defense. And maybe the biggest question of this defense coming into this season. All right, uh, let's move here to the linebacker position. We're going to break it up to inside and outside linebackers. We'll start with the inside here. What's the biggest strength for our inside linebacking group? Um, I think – I don't know. Um, this is a tough I, one for me. I, I said versatility. I would just say our, our starting two. Yeah, those our, our frontline guys are studs. Like Roquan and, and Natros Patrick, I think, and I've said this a couple of times for the Aussies, I, I think they're as good of a duo as there is in this league. Uh, Alabama's got, I mean, Alabama might be with Deion Hamilton. They might have a slight edge on us there, but it's not much. I think we are, our front line there, top two with Roquan and Natros are as good as anybody has in the SEC. Uh, but I like their versatility, too. Those guys can play between the tackles, but in particularly Roquan. They also play really well in space. Natres, I don't think it's enough credit for that. They, we take him out in those dying situations because uh, you want to get more speed on the field. But when he's left in those situations, he's fine. And I also like what Natres brings to the table, too, as a pass rusher. I think you're going to see him on the field more so in those third-down situations this year, not playing his traditional linebacking role, but coming up on the line of scrimmage and rushing the pass rush. I saw that a couple times in the open scrimmage. Uh, or not the open scrimmage, the first spring scrimmage months ago now. So I'm interested when the open practice comes here uh, this coming weekend. I'm very interested to see if Natrez kind of continues that pattern on third down situation. I think we got some versatility there. Um, but I think I think there's an obvious biggest question here for linebackers. I'm curious to see, what did, what, what did you come up with here? Um, our backups right now. Yeah. That's I, I think that's exactly what you got to look at here. Can we build quality depth behind the top three? And I'm including Reggie. I'm including Reggie Carter in the top three because he played he played a lot last year, um, and he's going to play a lot this year. So I'm going to consider him quality. Okay, I, he's not as good as Roquan. He's not as good as Natrez. Like a step, there's a little bit of drop off when he's in the game. Those guys are out. But can we build quality depth behind those three? Because if there's an injury, we're going to need some of those guys. Monty Rice, Nate McBride. Somebody's going to be able to step up. And I, 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 the guys that we had as depth last year, Ryan Rankin, Jawan Taylor, ah, I just didn't have any faith in those guys if there's an injury. So we, can we build that quality depth? I want to see that. It remains to be seen. I think we have some options there, more options than we had last year. But you got Tay Crowder. You got any faith in Tay Crowder? 
God, man. <laughs> As a linebacker? I think he might be a better linebacker than he was a running back. We'll see, though. Uh, all right, outside linebackers. Flip it over there. Uh, biggest strength for the outside linebacking group here, the, the hybrid pass rushing group? Probably just the experience in your starters. Yeah, that's exactly what I've got written down here. I mean, I know they've been... Is lackluster too strong of a word to describe Carter and Bellamy? No, I, I think we just expected too much. Yeah, this. I think that expectations played a role in that for sure. I mean, they both, they had five sacks each last year, uh, which is, I mean, that's solid. They're solid players. They just haven't been great players yet. And I don't know if you become a great player in your final year of eligibility. Maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, I still think Lorenzo has tons of athletic potential. I just don't know what it's going to take for him to tap into it. I don't know if he'll ever tap into it. Um, but yeah, they, at least they have experience. They've been around the block. They understand this. They're bigger. They're stronger now. Uh, they should have uh, a little more extensive of, of pass rushing repertoire. Their moves there. So I, I like that about them. But I still think there's some question marks. So if you're looking at this unit, what's the biggest question mark in your mind? Who's gonna step up? Yeah, who's gonna be that one guy there? I, it's simple for me. Like, will we be able to get pressure with our front four without having to manufacture pressure? The majority of the time last year, when we were able to, to pressure quarterbacks, it's it was we were manufacturing. We were bringing pressure from different angles, whether it's from the corners, whether it's from the nickel position, linebackers. We were doing a lot of different things to try to manufacture pressure because we simply could not get to the quarterback with a four man rush. When and you guys know this. If you are, this is one of the reasons that we were so good in Brian Van Gorder. His defenses were so good here in Athens. Basically, it was David Pollock. When you could rush four guys and still get after the quarterback and pressure him into mistakes, that means you can drop seven defenders, and you can make it. You can close those windows, make it very difficult for a quarterback to complete a pass. We haven't had anything like that in a while. So if we can get in a situation where we can get pressure, consistent pressure on the quarterback, rushing four. That is going to be very, very good for this defense. A defense it might be a difference between taking a defense that was a top 15, top 20 defense and to make them a top 10 defense. So I would really like us to be able to get pressure with just a front four. I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to, but uh, I think that's the biggest question facing that group. All right, one more defensive group here, then we'll flip over to special teams real quickly. But uh, last one here on the defense side of the ball is the defensive back. So, Kurt, what's your biggest strength for the DBs? Um, right now, it's just kind of another, you know, I said it quite a bit, but it's just really experience. Yeah, knowledge um, of the system for starters. me. Yeah, they they understand. These guys have been around me. Dominic Sanders was a was a four-year starter. Uh, Aaron Davis has essentially been a three-year starter. Parrish, this will be, I mean, pretty much his third year as a starter, more or less. DeAndre Baker, I mean, he had a half a year as a starter last year. Now, we lose Mo Smith at the nickel spot, so that's a little bit of inexperience at one of those spots, but one out of five ain't bad. Uh, so I think we've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, guys that have played a lot of football and been through the situations. They understand what it takes to win at a high level. Um, so I, I like that about this unit. But like all these other groups, there's questions. So when you're looking at this DB unit, what is your biggest question mark? Lack of the guy. You know, we don't have a lockdown guy. Yeah, for me is okay, so here's how my, my perception of our defensive backs, at least coming into this season. What we've seen, and these guys have all been playing for two, three years now, so we've seen a lot of them. They're all good players, they're, and they can all be really good at times. But to me, they're serviceable. I think they're a little bit more than serviceable. I think I would say I don't good. Know, not our cornerbacks. You don't think? I think Parrish. See, you and I differ on Parrish. I I know he's small. I, 
plays hard. He does what he can, but at certain times, he's not the guy. You know, he's he does a job the majority of the time, but there's also times where we really need him, and he just he just can't do it. Okay, Parrish allows inside release far too easily. That's one yeah, thing that he's got his score on. He can't ever jam them off the ball, so he's going to be inside. But part of that, you, you also have to wonder how much of that is what the coaches are requiring of you. What are they asking well, yeah, you to but do? But you can see it. But you see, I mean, you, it's just the thing. It's continuous over and over. He, it's like he gets picked on, and then at the same time, he can't truly guard him deep if they're bigger than him. I think outside of the inside release issues, and I do acknowledge that he does get beat to the inside far too often. Uh, but again, I don't know what the coaches are asking of him. I, I just, it's hard to say. Stop, he can't stop a single receiver that's six two and above. That's well, he's had trouble there for sure. I I I would counter and say, technique wise, he is as good as we have at that position. Well, I mean, you I'm really watch him. Away, but he, I can't say he's a, he does a really good job though. I mean, he can do a good job in techniques, but across the board, if you're looking at a game breaking down every aspect of his game, he gets an A in those parts. But other parts, he gets a C and a B. Right. So that comes out to a good player. In my mind, yeah. to me, to me, because I, I, I think he's the he's better than average. I think he's better than average. He, I, he's, I, I will maintain till he leaves our program. He's the best tackle that we have on that team. And I know people say, well, he's a DB. I, I would give him an A on that. I mean, Dominic Sanders is probably the worst tackler in the DB. Exactly. Back. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, but I think Parrish is the best tackler we have on the team, bar none, out of any position. I think he's he plays a really good technique down the field. He he does a really good job standing guys hit pocket. You're right. When there's a bigger receiver, he struggles because no matter what, even if you're in position, the guy can just go up and get the ball over you. But he does have a good solid vertical. He can, he can get up. He's got good speed. He's athletic. Um, he's aggressive. I think he brings more to the table than some people give credit for. Um, I, I, I'm not sitting here saying Parrish is a superstar by any means. He's not. I recognize that. But I think he's. I would. And this is me personal preference. I think he's a little bit better than serviceable. I think just a little bit better than serviceable. I would say he's a good player. Uh, I think Baker is a better cover guy than him right now. He's got better size. Uh, safeties, Dom. Dom does a great job playing center field. He does a great job reading the quarterback's eyes, breaking on balls. He does a really good job there. But you, you hit it on the head with, with his tackling ability. Like he's, he, he's just flat out bad as a tackle. He improved some last year, but at least his first years – it was a major liability. And you cannot be a bad tackler in this day and age at the safety position. Never at any age you couldn't. But especially now with the offense is designed to try to get players in space. If you miss a tackle in space in the secondary, dude, that's how big plays happen. That's how offense create big plays. The guy's missing tackles, and he misses too many of them. Um, so I think he, But I think still think he does things well enough if you use him the right way. He's good. Aaron Davis is a good player. He's got good size. He's not great. He's just weak and not aggressive enough. Um, yeah, yeah. But so here's my question: is and basically just to sum up everything we just said is, RDB unit are they elite? Can they be elite? And I, I think the answer is no right now, as they've been the only, constituted. The only reason people might have used to think our DBs were elite is because we played a defense such as what you saw prove it, where we just wouldn't rush anyone, but instead we just protect our DBs. Yeah, we mask it for sure. So, but okay, let's say you add in some talented freshmen. Definitely got them. They're freshmen, but they're talented freshmen. You add in guys like D'Angelo Gibbs, Richard LeCount, Trey Bishop, Amir Speed, uh, Brini Stokes. You add in some of these guys that are coming in this 2017 class who are elite talents. They haven't done it yet. They haven't they've played a combined zero snaps. We don't know how much or if they're going to play at all. But do they have the potential to? By adding them potentially into the mix in our defensive backfield, do they have the potential to maybe transform this DB unit into a, a borderline elite unit? Not, not as freshmen. 
Yeah, I, I kind of lean that way too. I really, I, I do. I think that Gibbs. All right, let me ask you this though: Who do you think is going to win that nickel spot? I have to say, at the moment, Gibbs. But Gibbs think... is also the type of guy that I think could also move over and really challenge Aaron Davis for strong safety. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because there's no way we don't know because these guys are so versatile. Gibbs, I think a lot, almost any of the guys that we signed could play a multitude of positions, and that's what Kirby likes. He likes versatility in the defensive backfield. We can mix and match. I think Gibbs could play corner if he was pressed into action. I don't think it's his best spot in the defensive backfield. I think he could, could though, play corner. I think LeCount could play corner. I think they could both play nickel. I think they could both play either safety spot. Uh, so it would be interesting to kind of see how that unfolds. But I think that Gibbs has the talent, if he picks it up mentally and understands the system, I think he has the talent to be that starting nickel guy to open the season. And if he is, I think he might end up being our best DB by the time the season's over. Like, is that is that pushing it? Is that expecting too much from a freshman? Uh, I mean, uh, we've seen crazier things. I'm just saying, like, if, if, if you and I are on board with saying that the existing DBs that we have coming from the past couple years, if they're, if they're good at best, and in your mind serviceable at best, is it that much of a stretch to say a guy, even though he's a freshman, as talented as D'Angelo Gibbs, or even maybe a guy as talented as Richard LeCount, if you find a role for him, that they could, by the end of the year, be the best DBs we have on the team? I think at the end of the year they could very yeah. well. By the end of the year, I think it's possible. I'm not going to say or predict that because you just don't know. You just don't know. As talented, I mean, I've seen these guys playing in high school, and I know how talented they are, but just got to see it. It's a whole other level. But I think it's within the realm of possibility that they could be by the end of the year. All right, last thing here before we get out of here. The special teams unit. Just a complete cluster last year. What is your opinion? Is there a first off? Is there a biggest streak coming into this year for the special teams? Uh, yeah, Reggie Davis is gone. <laughs> yeah, the lack of Reggie Davis, yeah. But you also lose Isaiah McKenzie. So it's well, kinda, yeah, but Reggie Davis being gone is just... Uh, it doesn't know, hurt. A, it doesn't it's a, hurt. It's a great day to celebrate. Yeah, I know we're hard on Reggie, but it doesn't hurt. It does not hurt. Uh, I struggled. This was the one I probably struggled on the most, thinking of a strength. Uh, I, this is what I came up with, and this is I know, it's not much, I guess. But I think we have. I like the young athletic bodies that we're going to have access to put on the coverage units. You know what I mean? It's like some of these guys that we signed in the 2017 class who might not see a ton of time. People on, like Nate McBride, right? Who's probably one of the fastest kids on the team, right? Nate McBride, Monty Rice, some of these guys that we signed, some of the DBs too, uh, Gibbs, the count, some of these guys that have guys in front of them right now at their defensive positions but these are athletic bodies that can run and they can hit and that is what you need on special teams and we have some of those guys from the 2016 class as well so uh i i think we're i think we should be better on the coverage units but kicking the ball oh my god man i don't know uh biggest i have so many questions i've had to pick one here's my biggest question for special teams can we kick the ball in the end zone consistently on kickoffs can we do that we can't. Well, that's uh, Rodrigo has not shown the ability to do that. He can do it uh, occasionally. I mean, yeah, he says. But he says, "Oh, I didn't have the right tee." I didn't have my green tee. Went right back to. He it. wants the freaking green tee. I was I was rewatching the Kentucky game uh, this week again and talking about that freaking green tee. I, I don't care, man. Just kick the freaking ball. I know kickers are there's a special group of people. Uh, I mean, David Marvin. I think honestly, just. Hearing about his reputation at Wofford coming as a graduate transfer, he's a guy that's not super accurate on short-range field goals or accurate at all kicking field goals, but he has a super strong leg. So I think he'd probably be the odds-on favorite to right now, in my opinion, based on what we've seen from Rodrigo for a, pretty much a, a full year. I think Marvin might be the guy that's going to be the, the kick-off guy, 
And then Rodrigo probably end up being the guy who is the the place kicker, field goal kicker. Punting, just I mean, simply who the who the hell is it going to be? I mean, it's we, just a toss. I mean, there's no idea. We have no idea. I mean, is Marshall Long going to be healthy? I mean, I don't know. Is now Ramsey's back? Is he going to be the guy? Is Cameron Nizalek, is how you say his last name, the tran- the grad transfer from Columbia? Is he going to be? I mean, I, there's just no way to know. You're right. Toss ups the, the best thing to say for the special teams unit, but. uh a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions at every position, but I do think we have some answers to a lot of these questions. It'll just be very interesting to see how these questions are answered as we go through uh, this month of fall camp leading in to the 2017 season, which is just a short couple of weeks around the corner. I cannot freaking wait, but that's our little preview of fall camp here for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Check back with us later this week. We're going to have the return. We took one week off to do the listener mail back for July, but we'll have the return of the... Uh, Scout and the Enemy series. This time we'll be breaking down South Carolina Gamecocks for you guys later in the week. But I uh, definitely appreciate you guys listening to the show and supporting us. We really do appreciate that. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Email us at GloryUJPodcast gmail.com. Facebook, the Glory UJ Podcast Facebook page. Let us know your thoughts on the show. We'd love to hear what you guys had to think or what you guys have to say about the, the strengths and the biggest questions for each of these units. We might be wrong. We're probably wrong. I'm usually always wrong. Discording my wife. So let us know what you guys think. Would you agree, disagree? We'd love to get your thoughts on that. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, guys, go dogs. <laughs>